Welcome to Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. During the first season of Ing Podcast, we've heard many stories from people who are leading, growing, and being as people of God. We've also navigated a global pandemic together. In the midst of this tension, we're joined today by five different pastors who've been ministering during the pandemic in their own unique context. I mean, there was an urgency among my people about finding ways to stay connected with one another throughout this whole entire experience. I never was concerned that God was locked up in a building. Um, And I've been reminded of that over and over again. In Exodus 13, it says that God led the people by the roundabout way. (laughs) Um, And that's what this has felt like. There there have been so many reminders of how God is, is, is drawing us out beyond ourselves. Sort of wondering, where will our help come from? Um... Oh my God, we hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ing Podcast. Today, we have a lot of guests with us, and they are all people who are ministering and have been ministering through this pandemic. And so I don't know if we're a support group or a processing group, um, but we're going to talk about what it has been like and and what we hope for this next season um, for church. So I'm going to ask everyone here so that we can get to know each other and you can get to know them as well. Um, to share their name, their ministry context, and how long they've been there, and what denomination, if any, if they are affiliated with, um, so that we can know a little more about each other. I am Jen Grunler. I um, am currently serving in youth and young adult ministry um, at Zumbro Lutheran Church, a, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America in Rochester, Minnesota. And we are um, just a few blocks away from the Mayo Clinic. Um, and I only say that because um, it definitely has shaped um, how we have lived into this time as a pandemic. Um, we also have a unique ministry context where sort of a downtown church um, in a in a small um, urban area. And so we have um, also a partnership with a preschool and a partnership with Luther College. Um, we um, house our Luther College nursing students um, and um, also students on internship here at the clinic. Um, and so um, beyond just typical youth and young adult ministry, we also do a lot of work um, partnering with communities. So we have a food truck ministry, um, higher ed connections, and early childhood connections. So it is good to be here with you all. Yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, everyone. My name is Justin Fong. I'm a pastor of leadership and spiritual formation at Christ City Church in Washington, D.C. We are, uh, well, it depends on which version of events. Um, we have been Christ City for four years this year. Um, prior to that, we were um, the East Side Parish of the District Church for three years before that. And before that, I was on the planting team of the District Church. So I have been with some iteration of the same community for 11 years now. Uh, moved to D.C. in 2009. Um, and so we are, we're right in the heart of D.C. We're about a mile from the capital. And uh, we're a non-denominational or multi-denominational church. There's a few uh, sort of denominational ties, but but sort of we're connected to different networks. CCDA is one, um, the V3 Church Planting Network. Um, we have we have a lot in common with the Missio Alliance folks, and so we're uh, we're sort of one of those uh, 
uh, I guess, like a, a denominational version of a nun. Um, <laughs> so I've been here for for ten years, and and my my role in this church is essentially as the lead is the lead pastoral role. Um, so everything essentially. So, well, welcome, Justin. Thank you. I am um, Greg Malinovich. I am the senior pastor at uh, St. Paul's United Methodist Church in uh, beautiful downtown State College, Pennsylvania, home of Penn State University. Um, our church is a is a, a downtown university church uh, with a, a ministry to um, really the Penn State community um, as well as the, the sort of broader community. But a lot of our focus ends up being on on the students and the faculty and administration and those who are somehow connected to Penn State. Um, I have been the senior pastor here for five years now, and uh, I'm delighted to be a part of this conversation with you today. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I'm John Harwood. Uh, I am an Episcopal priest who serves St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Lewistown. Lewistown is a small a town about 30 miles from State College um, by way of background about uh, the uh, Episcopal Church. Uh, it's uh, a liturgy-driven uh, church, formal liturgy, Book of Common Prayer. Uh, I have a, an older con congregation. I would, uh, I'm going to, I need this figure for uh, an, another purpose. My guess is the average age of the people in the pews, typical Sundays, will be slightly over 70. Uh, so they have been lifelong members of that church. And so they have a lifetime of memory uh, of um, very formal worship. Glad you're here. Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Yoder. I'm a pastor, solo pastor here at Grace Mennonite Church in Pandora, Ohio also a small church. Uh, I've been here, I'm in my fifth year here, and I've been in rural church ministry for about 10 years. Thank you all for being here. I have just a few questions, and I think it will be great for us to reflect on. Um, in the context of this past year, being in a pandemic, uh, my first question is, what have you learned about yourself, especially in context of your leadership as a pastor? Truthfully, I think I'm still figuring that out. Um, in fact, five minutes before we did this, um, one of my my colleagues who uh, I supervised came in and said, hey, my, my teenage daughter was just sent home on quarantine. I need to go because she's been exposed. Um, and so what I'm learning about myself is I think um, we don't know what we don't know. And um, as a maybe sometimes self-professing um, control enthusiast, uh, that has been a area of growth this year, right? Um, I thought I lived well in, in chaos and change, and I think I do adapt pretty well and quickly. Um, I work with predominantly adolescents and young adults who are um, constantly living in their lives in change and transformation and transition. Um, but gosh, this year has uh, given a whole new meaning to learning how to do that. And um, being one of the, the people on staff that is newest to the team, um, I've just been at Zumbro for, for almost two years in May. Um, and also being a person that has like 
some technology skills, um, at least generationally different than some of my colleagues, um, my job has changed a lot. And so I'm constantly pivoting. You know, um, our students are pivoting. We have a, an incredible COVID team that is working with us, and they're calling us in and out of change all the time. And so I think I've learned that um, there is a capacity to how much change I can handle. <laughs> and there was times where I felt like I reached that this year um, and learning to have to be patient with myself um, and to learn to rest through that has been certainly part of my journey and self-discovery. Thanks for sharing that. I'll share, I'll share like a positive thing and, and a maybe less than positive thing. Um, so similar to what Jen said, one of the things I've, I've learned was that I still have the ability to learn, <laughs> um, which was, which was exciting. I mean, it wasn't always easy, but like I've learned video editing skills, for example, that I never was taught in seminary and never had much need for, but, um, can now edit the heck out of a video if you ask me to. So, um, I, I say that sort of jokingly, but the fact that I could learn a new skill and like use it in ministry has felt, as I look back on the last year plus, has felt sort of adaptive and um, there's like a there's like a sense of of being flexible and being able to learn that I really am grateful for. So, so that's something that that I'm that I'm thankful for. But um, more of a growing edge is uh, one of the things I I found out fairly early on, like as the the rug was sort of pulled out from underneath us all in terms of, whoa, how do we do this? Like, how do we even uh, minister to folks in this context. And, uh, one of the things I didn't love about what I discovered about myself was this kind of, um, uh, tendency towards comparison and just like looking at what everybody else was doing and feeling woefully inadequate, like everywhere I looked like, Oh, I'm not doing that. Or I can't do that. Or we're failing there or we're not as good as that or whatever. And, um, I found that to be so debilitating and I really needed to, to sort of process that and work through it and, and work on just saying, Hey, this is, this is our voice and our character. And we just have to be ourselves in this and stop trying to measure it against what anybody else is doing. And that's been an ongoing journey for me through this, uh, through this whole season. So it feels really relatable. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll echo that. I, um, I actually stepped into the, the lead pastoral role a year ago in the middle of the pandemic and uh, we had started the process in the fall. Um, so it was not that we were, you know, we were not like, Oh, pandemic, let's, let's shuffle things around. But uh, things were already in place and, 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 and moving in that direction before the pandemic happened. And then we had to think about what, well, do we want to keep going with this or do we want to press pause? And we said, ultimately we'll keep going with it. But this is not the, uh, the landing spot that I would have, uh, asked for in, in stepping into this position. But I think similarly, yeah, there, there, it has been a, I was going to be learning stuff anyway. <laughs> and so, um, sort of learning how to cope in a pandemic, it, in some ways it felt like a grace that, that all of the standard measuring metrics were, were thrown out of the window because of the pandemic anyway. Um, so I think one of the things that I have learned is that, yeah, I, I am capable of more than I thought I was. Um, I think one of the benefits of stepping into this has been the relationships and connections with former professors at seminary that I've kind of tapped into and um, other resources, other friends, um, realizing like, oh, I don't, you know, the second guessing is normal for any anyone in a, any position of leadership, but also to 
to take heart that that um, we're doing, everyone is doing what they can. And so there's an encouragement there. I think the other thing that I've learned is even as I, I can do more than I thought I could, I can't do that without others. Um, the importance of community, both within my own church, uh, within my own church leaders, among our, our staff, and then also just colleagues, um, pastors, um, friends that I went to seminary with, um, other pastors in D.C., just the ways that we have been able to kind of support each other, be a, a sounding board. Um, like, I don't think that, you know, th- going to therapy, both individually and with my wife as well, like all of that has been a reminder that um, I would not be able to make it through without just others on the journey. So those are a couple of things that I've learned about me. Well, uh, similar to Justin, I've, discovered that I am capable of more than I thought uh, throughout ministry in the pandemic. Um, Almost as an antithesis to Jen's experience, I discovered that I I do actually thrive in a crisis, which is a little bit cliche to say maybe, and and I think a lot of people think that they thrive in a a crisis. (laughs) Uh, I never thought that I did, but I've found that with each new challenge, my energy... Uh, imagination, vision, passion for ministry has increased. My bandwidth, uh, my patience and compassion for the people I work with has increased. Um, and and it's like uh, I, I've just stretched uh, to to meet each new challenge of this season uh, throughout the past eighteen months, and. Um, so I've almost found myself uh, thriving in ministry in new ways throughout this this big upset. I have learned uh, that I am much more nimble, much more uh, resilient, and much more flexible uh, liturgically than I ever thought uh, uh, that I would be. We're going to take a quick break now to thank our sponsors and invite you to consider sponsoring Ing Podcast. You can also play a big part in helping us spread the word about this podcast by giving our new Facebook page a like and sharing your favorite Ing Podcast episodes with friends, encouraging them to subscribe and join this movement of leading, growing, and being as people of faith. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. In challenging times, how do we prepare for tomorrow? Invest in the path ahead with hope and sharing, love and caring, and with help from Everence. Many of us are taking it day by day, step by step. How can we make room for financial strategies and the Holy Spirit to help guide us for the longer term? Financial services for a purpose. Visit us today at everence.com. What have you discovered about God? I would go back to the Exodus story, and I would say that for us, um, for the first time, uh, I I guess I've been uh, a clergy for 11 years. Um, I once canceled the service because of weather, blizzard. That's an act of God. Uh, But it was just one Sunday. Uh, When COVID first hit, um, I couldn't believe it. 
And I said, what is it about my religious heritage, my, my sense of a history with God that would lead us to this point? And for the first time, um, uh, I was scared and felt abandoned. And then I said, uh, we're in the wilderness. And, you know, the, that comparison breaks down. Uh, God has not sent plagues. This is not a judgment. Uh, this is um, uh, nature doing nature stuff. It's the natures of viruses to mutate and they mutate or die. And so um, when uh, my bishop, my diocese said uh, we can no longer hold in-person worship, I was ill-prepared. And I said, God, what have you led me? Where are we? And I felt like I was the ancient Israelites. I was grumbling against God and um, sort of wondering where will our help come from? Um, and I got an answer. Yeah, you guys don't go in small questions, huh? <laughs> Perfect. Um, you know, I guess I've been reminded um, that I, I never was concerned that God was locked up in a building. Um, and I've been reminded of that over and over again in, in really beautiful and powerful ways, right? That um, God also doesn't um, disappear <laughs> um, in the chaos, but God continues to show up um, in profound ways and in small ways. Um, the empty sanctuary, um, we just started um, in-person worship inside our sanctuary for the first time two weeks ago. It was obviously so wonderful to have a small group of people back masked, you know, with minimal singing. But um, I realized I didn't, I didn't need that in the same way that I needed um, community, right? Um, that God's love to me is beyond a Sunday morning worship service. God's love for the world um, showed up in, you know, we served 10,000 burritos to um, food insecure communities in Rochester um, throughout the pandemic. We um, housed students that were learning nursing and clinicals at the clinic um, in our sanctuary instead of Sunday morning worship. Like that was an intentional missional choice. And so to remember that um, God is a lot more vast and wide than the boundaries that we put on God. Um, and that it is, God is about relationships and human beings and bodies. Um, so uh, it, I don't think it was maybe anything new. It was actually just like the bread and butter of who God is again. I had entered into a season of my own spiritual journey where I had circled back around to a questioning form of faith uh, just prior, well, a while prior to the pandemic. Um, and to the, the reemergence of, of the social issues in our country, ongoing social issues. And, and when all these crises started to stack up, um, uh, Walter Brueggemann came out with another book really quickly, uh, like almost impossibly quickly, called Virus as a Summons to Faith. And Brueggemann was one of my favorite uh, theologians when I was in seminary. I uh, hadn't read very much Brueggemann in a while and had kind of wandered away of, from his way of, of imagining God and imagining the divine. But I read that book and kind of came home again to, oh, yes, this, this is a God I can get on board with. This, this is an, an imagining of the divine 
that resonates with me deeply in my soul. And so my learning, I think, was that, uh, like, yes, I can, I can get on board with the idea that it matters what kind of relationship we have with the divine as individuals and as, as humanity collectively. Um, it matters, and the quality of that relationship matters, uh, has real world implications of all kinds. Um, and, and the direction that relationship moves, uh, dictates the quality of our experience of life here on planet earth. (laughs) Um, so that it started to bring me back into, um, the idea that God is and, and how we relate to God and, and imagine God and, um, cultivate a relationship with God matters. I might say one of the things that I've been reminded is, is that, I think as Jen was saying that God is always drawing us out, um, drawing us out beyond uh, our comfort zones. And, and that's true pandemic or not, but I think that so much of the, the normal comforts or um, buffers that we might have pre pandemic, um, any impetus that we might have to, to do things differently was kind of stripped away. And so we had to, we had to listen a bit more carefully. We had to a bit more attentively. We had to, you know, we couldn't just fall back on what we, you know, what we had been doing, what we felt like we needed to do. In some ways, that was a gift um, uh, to to reimagine and to 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 think anew. And and I think that there there have been so many reminders of of how God is, is, is drawing us out beyond ourselves. Um, so I think that was, that was probably the biggest reminder for me of like, you know, yes, we, we absolutely miss being together in person. We miss, you know, being able to, to hug each other and sing together and, 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 you know, Lord willing soon we'll be able to do that. But, um, the ways that we, uh, have sought to care for each other and care for our neighbors, um, and the ways that we've been forced to think about what those look like differently than they might have looked before um, have been invitations, I think, to trust and to to lean even more on on the God of infinite creativity and infinite care. For me, it, it wasn't necessarily you know discovering something new about God, but but experiencing God in a new context. Um, and the image for me has has largely centered around wilderness. Um, just kind of meeting God in the wilderness and, and in wilderness in a, in an interesting way. I mean, I've often thought of the wilderness as sort of a, uh, you know, the, the worst possible place and, and everything is terrible, but that's not been the experience for me. I mean, there's been a lot of silver linings, um, personally and, um, and, and for our family and even for our church in the midst of this particular wilderness. Um, and so it's just about sort of not, it's like God, the God of the uncertain, right? Like, um, when all think pre pandemic, when all things are sort of moving according to status quo, it's easy to, to believe the illusion that we know where we're going and, uh, and this is the plan and we're going to get there and da, 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 da. But, uh, that got, that got taken from us in, in really obvious ways. And so what was left was just like, okay, here we are. (laughs) Um, and, you know, so, so I, I spent a lot of time sort of thinking about the, the Exodus story and, um, 
those folks just wandering around the wilderness. And, uh, and, and I love this, this, this verse, um, in Exodus 13, it says that God led the people by the roundabout way. <laughs> um, and that's what this has felt like. Like, it's just the roundabout way. Like, I don't know where this is going, but, um, but I've met God in the midst of it. And that has been amazing. And, and I'll give one other picture for that. Um, during the season of epiphany, we were, we were looking at the Magi and, I was so taken by this, by this like sort of throwaway phrase um, that we've all heard probably many times um, that time of the year, but that they returned home by another road. So like around that time, everyone was starting to think about how are we going to return home? Meaning how are we going to get together again and for in-person worship? And what's it going to look like when we're together as the church and, 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 you know, getting back to quote unquote, the new normal, whatever that is. Um, but I was just so taken by this return by a different road. And I felt like it's the God of a different road. Like, where is God calling us? And how do we meet God on a different journey than the one we've been used to, than the well-worn path? Um, and so I don't have a ton of answers about that, but it's just been a kind of a neat adventure to discover God on that different road. Yeah, I I feel like I connected with each of the things that you all brought up. And I do feel like it didn't feel necessarily that, that God changed, but God became fuller or <laughs> bigger or um, we were able to just look at a different angle. And um, I'm so grateful for that. So my next question is, what have you learned about church? All right. So I'll just throw out two things. One echoes what Jen said earlier that uh, the church is never really closed. Like, like you don't, you don't close the church. Uh, even when there's a pandemic and the building isn't being used, uh, my experience with my congregation is that there was still energy, desire, passion to somehow stay connected. I mean, there was an urgency among my people about finding ways to stay connected with one another throughout this whole entire experience. And so that, and that's something that I've always known, I think in my head, but I think through this experience that has come into my heart um, more, just that, that understanding that, that the church is not a building. It's not even necessarily an organization made up of people. There's this other element that's going on. It's, it's the spirit of God moving, um, and uniting us in our um, made in God's imageness. Uh, so there is that. The second thing that is kind of on my mind is that uh, it's become clearer to me how some folks come to church primarily to be comforted, to um, to receive comfort and affirmation, and kind of healing from the beating that they took from the world throughout the week, and and other folks come to church very much uh, looking for a mission and a vision to be a part of. And I think what I've come around to is that I think church functions best when both of those things are happening, ideally, that church can be a place of healing and comfort and restoration um, personally and spiritually, but that there's, there's this essential element of being church which is having a vision and a mission for how the church as an organization, as a group of people, joins and supports 
the work that God wants to do in, in their lives and in their community and in their place. Um, and so with that, ha- having to negotiate both of those approaches to church within my one congregation, I feel like I've had to do more organizational leadership around the language that we use to speak about the experiences we've had, um, the images, the paradigms through which we understand this whole experience of, of the pandemic and of the, the reemergence of longstanding social issues in our country. Um, uh, to help people see those things. We're all in the same boat. I don't care whether you're Lutheran, Methodist, Roman Catholic, Baptist, uh, Assembly of God. Um, we're all in that same boat. Uh, uh, Lewistown, uh, Mifflin County, had the highest per capita deaths from COVID in, in Pennsylvania. So we were in, uh, in, in deep trouble. So I had a week. Uh, and this was just going into Holy Week, perfect time of year uh, to figure out what we could do. And um, I reached out to my colleagues. I said, uh, what are you doing? What do you think might work? And I visited the small Episcopal church in Belfont uh, that had uh, a 29-year-old priest, uh, uh, and uh, Father Carlos says, well, uh, here's what I'm doing. And he, I'm holding up an iPhone. He had an iPhone and a tripod. And I said, great. Tell you what, let's worship jointly via Zoom with both churches. And that gave me a, a week head start to figure out to buy some equipment get some skills built up and to trust God that though we, we had wandered in this wilderness, we were together. We were not separate. He was not picking us off uh, one by one and that we would find a way uh, as humans have always done, just like the viruses, we will mutate. We will uh, adapt or die. And uh, I was worried a little bit at first uh, because I'm young and naive, that the older people in the pews would not adjust to it. They adjusted perfectly. Uh, some folks don't have computers. They phone in, so we use Zoom. Zoom has been a lifeline. Again, um, God has not turned her back on us. We have not turned our backs on each other. Uh, we have our same mission, but we're, we simply had to adapt to new styles of doing things. Church is a lot bigger than one congregation. <laughs> um, seeing the the vastness of God's people and the different ways that the church has shown up in this past pandemic year and months, um, being able to see colleagues um, lead um, marching on the streets, right, um, and being in Minnesota right now and during the murder of George Floyd and the the days and months and weeks and year that has been afterwards, seeing our colleagues lead the justice work, seeing my colleagues um, pivot to preach and lead in new ways, um, seeing chaplains show up on bedsides. Um, the church, again, has never been about the walls that we've, we've created. And um, I think 
technology has forced us to have to be reminded that in deeply profound ways. I also think it's reminded the church, um, the season has reminded me of um, what the church is really about. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in dumb things um, and to remember that really we are about being the hands and feet of Christ in the world, feeding God's people, um, bringing comfort to the grieving and bereaved. Um, and the rest of it actually wasn't important, right? When they said, well, the church is closed. I mean, that was this popular line, right? Um, we all as, as ministry leaders quickly said, oh, wait a second, the church has never been closed. Um, and I think um, my spirit has been really blessed by that reminder, even in a challenging time. Um, and that our people have rise to that occasion and welcomed um, that that expansion of understanding of church. I really uh, resonated with what uh, Matthew was saying. Um, I have felt that same kind of tension. I've I've framed it around the roles, like my own role in this as um, sort of pastor and prophet. And the tension between those, and that's that's sort of always been there for me. But the pandemic has has um, um, highlighted it in a different way. And um, in fact, it's one of the things I've been dissatisfied with in in the year is like how much energy I realize we pour in in our local church. How much energy we pour into into the worship experience and providing. Uh, worship that we think is is meaningful and and quality and enriching and inspiring and like that's good and I'm passionate about that but um, but it sometimes feels like a disproportionate amount of energy as compared to like us sort of doing church right like being the body um, in ways that matter in our community and I think some of the some of the just what's been going on in our culture uh, over the past year has has contributed to that conversation. Um, and part, it, that's all related to what I said earlier about, you know, taking a different road, uh, for, for me. And I think for many in our church, it just kind of feels like, okay, this is an opportunity to follow God, uh, into a new way of being church, um, in which we maybe come up with a new way of balancing, uh, that, that same tension that Matthew was talking about, like, you know, those who just kind of come for that that, that comforting experience, that worship, that, 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 um, fellowship, um, and those who are committed to like, Hey, let's go make a difference. Um, and kind of bridging that in new ways and living that out in new ways. And again, I don't have a lot of clear answers. I really don't have any answers there, but I'm excited that we're even asking the question. And so that same adaptability, uh, that we talked about earlier, like one of the things that many of us learned about ourselves was that we could learn, like, I feel that in church too. Like for the most part, certainly not across the board, but there's a, there's a sense in our church that, Hey, we can learn a new way to be the church. Um, maybe a roundabout way, but, um, but God is there. God is calling us and um, I'm excited to see what that looks like. The church as the body of Christ, the church as the hands and feet of Jesus will always have a place um, as long as we are being who we are. Are, are called to be. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day who has does not consider themselves a Christian anymore, and they asked, you know, do you think that the church, you know, they've been burned by, grew up in an evangelical, back, uh, evangelical church and been burned, and especially over the last few years um, with the, the, the sort of the, the close identification with 
sort of that white evangelical label as a political label for for um, those who lean on the right rightward direction. And you know, so when she is asking that question, do you think that there's a future for the church? She's she's picturing a particular iteration. And I said, uh, you know, I I didn't grow up in the U.S. I grew up overseas. I was born in Hong Kong. I spent my you know almost a decade in in the U.K. Both of those places, Christianity is not in the mainstream. It's not a. I've never never experienced that in the mainstream. And I remember coming to the U.S. and being like, denominations are weird. Uh, you know, in, in in places where you know Christians are in a small minority, you number one, you 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 choose whether to be in that place, and you choose. Uh, what what that looks like um, you choose whether you know it, it's not assumed that people will will show up and I think in 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 our setting today like the US is many of us are, are having to ask those questions of what is it that we are choosing and does it look like Jesus um, and in these moments that that are crucible moments we have those opportunities to to revisit those questions um, and so I ultimately I said to my my friend I said I think the church as the body of Jesus will always be around because the words and the vision and the reality and the movement of the spirit of Jesus will always uh, stir people to shalom, to a peaceable kingdom, to um, the common good, to uh, deep flourishing. And, uh, and I'm so grateful that, that I've been, been able to see Amidst so much, so many signs of death and, and disappointment and, and decline, like I've been able to see those moments of, of, of joy and movement toward life and sort of solidarity with, with the marginalized. And, um, and that, that gives me hope for who the church, and I don't know whether I mean small C church or big C church, or, but who the church could be. Uh, I have hope for that. Yeah, I think. I would like to ask that question of hope to the others. I think that, yeah, there have been times of learning and I think we're all looking forward with those kind of question marks of like, what will my congregation look like? What are, you know, what is my plan? And there's still so much uncertainty, but I wonder if you had a hope to offer for the, church in this next season, however long, whatever season that may be, uh, what is your hope for the church or, or what is maybe even a blessing you have to offer over the church in its next season? Uh, if I could uh, create a time capsule, be constant with your mission, be faithful to your identity, be flexible on absolutely everything else. Uh, as a liturgical church, people are used to coming to the altar and uh, uh, receiving, uh, sharing a common chalice. That's out. It's going to be out for a long time. And so we have experimented with other ways to distribute uh, a communion. And we have communion kits. Uh, other churches do drive-by communion. None of that really makes sense for us. Uh, so, you know, frankly, uh, learn from other people's experiences, be flexible, be faithful, and uh, be hopeful. Uh, your God is with you, uh, and uh, this business in the wilderness does lead to the promised land. Amen.
maybe I'll, I'll lead into this by going back and mentioning my denominational affiliation. My church is a member congregation of Central District Conference, which is a member conference of Mennonite Church USA. So we are a Mennonite church, and I am a Mennonite church pastor. Um, and, and the word of hope that, that uh, I've been holding in my heart that I would offer to others, maybe as a blessing, um, is that it has to do with stability, uh, di- dynamic versus stable. Um, I think when things are more stable, there tends to be less movement, less possibility for change. And when stability breaks down and things become extremely dynamic, that's when change can happen. And so my hope for this time has been with this great shakeup that um, that capital G good change is now possible. Changes that were maybe not possible beforehand uh, within the church and beyond the church um, in the broader culture. Uh, you know, going back to the language of, of the spirit of Christ always leading us towards deeper flourishing, greater shalom, uh, more peace. Um, I, I see this time of instability as, as a period of time that's full of possibility. Um, and so maybe my, my blessing, my benediction for anybody listening to this is may the instability that you have experienced, that you are experiencing, that you will experience, may, may the instability always be pregnant with possibility. Possibility for the capital G good. I think that this, this year, uh, I remember, I think it was one of the first couple of months after the, after everything shut down. So last spring, summer, um, I think maybe it was the weekend after George Floyd's uh, murder, um, where I just was, was trying to process everything, just the, the, all of the feelings. Cause you know, it wasn't just, uh, what was happening, uh, in that arena, but just life is, life is not siloed off that, that we oftentimes hold both joy and sorrow in in the same breath, you know, even yesterday afternoon, um, hearing the, the, the Chauvin verdict short, followed shortly by the news of Micaiah Bryant, um, being shot by the police in Ohio, like that, that was all in the space of one hour and the feelings of the, the, the extremes of feelings that we hold all together. And we are, there, there's no way to not hold it all together. I'm reminded of the, the movie inside out where I'm going to spoil the ending, but, but the idea is ultimately like no emotion is fully unadulterated that we don't get to feel that we, that we, that we don't feel grief or gratitude a hundred percent. We feel a mix of it. We don't feel joy or sorrow a hundred percent, though it might feel like that on, on certain occasions. We, we feel a mix of it. And, and I think that the, the, the invitation in the, in that is that the spirit is at work in all of it. Um, that God is inviting us to be with God and that God is with us in all of that. And, there, uh, you know, there's not a, an easy, all right. And so God is with you. And therefore this, this, that, or the other, I think that the beauty is that God is with us and walks with us continually in all of it. 
and that would be my benediction um, that however long this pandemic continues however and and whatever happens beyond that that we what we are reminded of is the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's presence with us just as you were asking that question um, and as Justin was talking I, I I don't know why but I had the image of a of a, a snake shedding its skin the snake's not usually a very good image for the church is it but um but but just the idea of like leaving behind what needs to be left behind to um, to enter into a new season, you know, and that's that is one of the big hopes I've I've really kind of centered in on is um, we we were a, a super honest here we were a busy church <laughs> before the pandemic, you know, just doing all the things sort of ad nauseum, and so many of them are good things, maybe good with a lowercase g, but but still good. Um, but I just I I, th- I have hope that that maybe we've been able to to shed some things through this process and like focus in on what's essential and what's good with a capital G and put more energy into that. So that's a hope that I'm holding to and that I, I see signs of. We'll end here and hold those final words as a benediction for today's episode. Thank you. Thank you each one of you for being with us on the journey. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who continue to support Ing Podcast. We'd like to thank Everence, a faith-based financial services organization, for their ongoing support of Ing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends. Do you have a topic or someone you think should be interviewed on Ing Podcast? Let us know by emailing theing at menomedia.org. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Today's show was produced by me, Ben Weidman. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.